Welcome to the Business Extra. I'm Mustafa Al Rawi, the Nationals Assistant Editor in Chief. Well, this is the first episode of 2023. Thank you for being with us. We're going to talk about the outlook for aviation in a moment with the Nationals correspondent, Dina Kamel, who's in Geneva. Uh, but first, if you like this show, please do subscribe. If you're on YouTube, ring that bell. Well, as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about the outlook for aviation in 2023. Uh, Dina Kamel, the Nationals Aviation Correspondent, is in Geneva at the International Air Transport Association's event, which was rounding off 2022. Uh, Dina, welcome. Hi, good morning, Mustafa. Good morning from Geneva, where it is uh, about zero degrees here, so slightly colder than, than Dubai. Um, we're about two kilometers away from the headquarters of the International Air Transport Association, um, where we've just spent the last two days um, in media briefings with them, where they've detailed their outlook for the aviation sector um, into 2023. Um, so lots going on there. Before we get into the nitty gritty of what uh, the, the the twelve months ahead is going to look like, um, I'd, I'd like to kind of set the scene for how we kind of closed out twenty twenty two, which was given what happened to aviation and airlines in the pandemic, was actually pretty optimistic. I would say is it was that the feeling you got in in Geneva when you when you arrived? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, optimism uh, was was the key theme that was running through the last couple of uh, days here at the IATA briefings in, in Geneva. And uh, while the um, trade body is expecting airlines to um, incur another loss in 2022, this loss is actually uh, much narrower than uh, what IATA had previously forecast in um, June. So now airlines are expected collectively to lose $6.9 billion uh, dollars in 2022. And this is an improvement on their earlier forecast of $9.7 billion loss. So um, things are actually looking better. Passenger demand continues to be strong. Um, uh, COVID-related restrictions um, over international borders have uh, lifted. This has helped. Pent-up demand has been unleashed. Um, people are just eager to, to travel. And so this is um, a much better time for, for airlines than what they've gone through in the last uh, couple of years. What, what's interesting is, is regionally, if you compare um, you know, different parts of the world, the, the, the outlook you know, goes from very positive um, to quite cautious when it comes to Asia, for example, because you know, China, the, the COVID is still, you know, related restrictions still linger. Um, you know, again, in, in recent, uh, recent days towards the end of 2022, um, there was announcements of a reduction in, in some of the, uh, the, the tougher measures, which, which hopefully is a good sign going forward. But still, um, you know, the fact that China isn't fully, fully back to where some of the other regions are will hurt the business globally. You're absolutely spot on. And this is uh, one of the main themes that was discussed actually during these briefings. So let's drill a little bit into the numbers for next year and what the regional performance might look like. So IATA is uh, very optimistic um, about the outlook for next year, despite the macroeconomic um, challenges that are facing the industry. Um, you know, uh, the, the director general of IATA has called it uh, business as usual headwinds. Um, so compared to what the airlines have gone through in the last couple of years, they're used to these type of um, challenges. Now, in 2023, the airlines 
around the world are collectively going to uh, earn a, a profit next year for the first time since the pandemic began. So we are talking about a collective profit of $4.7 billion in 2023. Now let's put that into context. This is a rather modest number. It's only one fifth of the profit that they earned in 2019. But still, it's a huge and significant development um, for the airlines compared to the staggering loss um, that they incurred over the last three years. Uh, we're talking about a loss of $186 billion from 2020 to 2022. Um, so that silver lining of finally being able to earn uh, a profit next year is, is a big deal. Um, however, that recovery, as you well pointed out, is, is uneven in terms of the different geographies of the world. So what we're seeing is if we look at um, a map of the world and how the carriers there are performing next year, North America is actually leading the recovery. Um, airlines there are um, going to earn a profit actually as of this year, $9.9 billion this year and $11.4 billion in the next year. Um, they are closely followed by Europe and the Middle East, where these are the only two regions that are set to earn a profit next year. Um, the Middle East, if we look at our region and how that's going to be performing, uh, some good news there. Um, carriers in our region are going to be earning a profit of $268 million um, next year. And this is after a loss this year of $1.1 billion. So good news there. Um, why is this happening? Why are Middle East carriers doing so well? Um, of course, they are uh, long haul airlines and now international borders are, are reopening on um, on a wide uh, on a wide uh, scope. And they're also benefiting from uh, the rewriting of uh, flights away from um, from the Ukraine war. So lots going on in, in these different regions, but the outlook for the for the Middle East looks uh, looks quite positive. However, it is not without its uh, risks. You mentioned the IATA chief, uh, Willie Walsh, uh, a little bit earlier, who who's a you know well-known industry veteran. Um, and he, and you said that he he said, you know, we're dealing with with business as usual headwinds, um, which I assume are things like, you know, high oil prices, which affect aviation and, and fuel aviation fuel prices, but also um in terms of uh worries about demand because of uh you know the the forecast of a drop in economic growth and possibly even recession in various areas are, the, are these the factors that that they're going to have to deal with in 2023 absolutely yes there's um a bunch of uh geopolitical and macroeconomic risks that ayata had outlined during these briefings they're very much um, on IATA's and the airline's uh, radar. They're going into this with their eyes um, wide open. So some of the risks to um, this rather positive outlook that we're seeing next year, you know, uh, where airlines have acknowledged that they still have a long way to go, really, um, and are watching out for certain um, headwinds. Um, one of these factors is um, whether China is going to reopen its borders, given its current very strict COVID um, zero policy. Now, the outlook uh, that IATA has set out uh, factors in um, a forecast uh, that China is going to reopen its borders in the second half of 2023. If that prediction uh, does not come true, um, then that is a, a major risk to, to the outlook as IATA sees it. 
Um, another risk, of course, is that uh, as we've seen warnings by different organizations, such as the International Monetary Fund and, and the World Bank, that there is um, a major threat of uh, economic recessions, IATA says that if some economies do fall into a recession, um, then that is going to be a hit for uh, passenger and cargo demand. Um, however, they do see that being mitigated by lower oil prices uh, during a recessionary uh, period. The final risk that they talk about, and, and this is one that um, Willie Walsh seemed particularly uh, passionate about when, when he was speaking, is um, the fact that airports are increasing um, fees and charges on, on airlines. Uh, he, he called it gouging. Um, and there's also going to be um, plans for um, taxing uh, airlines to support sustainability plans. So all of these taxes and, and extra fees are really going to potentially eat away at airlines' uh, profits next year if all of this materializes. Uh, the problem, of course, is even while airlines are predicting profit next year, we're talking about razor thin margins here. Um, in fact, the numbers that we've been given for the profit margins, it's the equivalent of $1.1 per passenger on average. So if you think about it, they're earning on one passenger just the same price as a cup of coffee, really. Um, so all of this economic and geopolitical uncertainty is really something for them to watch out uh, quite seriously. A lot there to unpack. I mean, I, I would say that it, the the comments by Walsh about the airports, I find fascinating because that's a legacy from the pandemic. Um, when airports and airlines had very different experiences, um, a lot of the airlines got support, um, government support or taxpayer support in certain countries, but the uh, airports seemed to, to complain of less uh, support during that time. And of course, everybody who's flown in the last two years will know that many airports around the world there were long lines, uh, whether it was immigration or baggages or whatever, you know, whatever it might be the experience, there weren't enough staff. Um, and, you know, demand came back so sharply that many uh, hubs couldn't cope. Um, and they, they wanted the airlines to, to do more and I guess to pay more um, if they wanted things to work. And the airlines blamed the airports um, for not uh, handling things well. So it seems that uh, friction will continue uh, in 2023. Uh, 100%. And it was very evident in, in the last couple of days, there's been a bit of a, a war of words, if you will, between um, the airlines and, and, and the airports just recently with um, uh, Willie Walsh, you know, dis describing uh, the increased airport fees as, as gouging by, by um, you know, these these different entities and in fact um a, a day later the airports council international the aci responded and said well um actually airports have not had the same level of government support that airlines um have benefited benefited from during during the during the pandemic um so it's it there was a lot of tension actually about the issue of um uh, airport fees this is a particularly sensitive topic because the airports are also trying to recoup their losses that they've made over the last few years. And airlines, while they're 
expecting a profit are also trying to protect these very razor thin margins. Um, so any additional costs, let's say like airport fees, like um, the increase in jet fuel prices um, is, is really going to have a big impact on these um, thin margins. Yeah. And, and in and, fact, sorry, go on, Dina. Um, I was just going to raise the issue of um, jet fuel prices. Um, one of the, uh, and, and this was another big theme uh, here during the briefings, and one of the things that the IATA chief economist, Mary Owens, has been saying is that even if you do see um, lower prices for Brent, actually that will not immediately translate into lower um, uh, jet fuel prices because there's very limited uh, refining capacity. And therefore, the price of jet fuel is uh, still higher than rent. Um, and so she was pointing out that the aviation industry, unlike other sectors, will not immediately benefit from uh, a lowering in oil prices because of this refining capacity limitation. And therefore, she says, airlines have no choice but to pass on this cost to the consumer. Uh, so maybe that's Kind of the bad news for us travelers is that uh, airfare prices, um, you know, um, are still still going to maintain their highs because the demand so far has uh, seemed to be price insensitive. And in fact, the IATA chief economist was saying that the point at which people might start to become more sensitive to these um, increases in airfares is when unemployment starts to rise. So as we know, employment is, is at all time highs at the moment. Um, the minute that changes, the minute there is people are not working, there's fewer jobs, um, then that price sensitivity um, starts to happen. Yeah, you, you mentioned a, a, you know, a key uh, factor for 2022, which was inflation. Uh, I think everybody, whether it was individuals or, or regarding corporate travel budgets, everyone felt the rise in, in, in airfares uh, in 2022. Um, especially it was a very sharp contrast because we had gotten used to much cheaper airfares during the pandemic when no one was flying. Um, and now it seems from what you're saying, 2023 won't see a softening in airfares unless there is you know, a significant downturn in demand as a result of, of, of recession, for example, which you know, it's not good news for anybody because even if airfares are cheaper, then as a result of that, corporate travel budgets will be cut back and individuals won't be able to travel as much. So you almost have a catch-22 here. Uh, we need mm -hmm. a kind of softening, a slow softening in airfares as there is this kind of slow uh, kind of uh, deflating of, of, of an overheated economies. But so far, it looks like we're probably going to see uh, us miss a soft landing on both sides, and we may see a kind of bit of a crash in 2023. Um, but, you know, I think everyone should be prepared for uh, inflationary pressures not to immediately disappear in the first few months of of, of twenty twenty three. I wanted to mm -hmm. I wanted to come back to the to the Middle East region and the Gulf region because the end of twenty twenty two, with the World Cup in Qatar, obviously there was demand, huge demand, um, and the year before we had Expo uh, driving demand uh, certainly for the UAE as well. Um, and are there any were there any specific discussions as to what would continue to drive demand? in the Gulf uh, for, for our airlines here? You mentioned, for example, the return of long-haul travel. Is it just that or, or, is it, or is it other things going on? 
Uh, no, you're absolutely right. There's uh, there's other factors at uh, at play here, and certainly um, yesterday we were in a media briefing with Willie Walsh for the Middle East uh, and Africa region specifically, um, and he mentioned a few other factors uh, that could contribute to the growth of our regional carriers here in our area, and he was saying actually. Um, of course, you know, just to go back to your point, the World Cup um, is, is a major positive for, for the region's airlines. We're seeing um, shuttle flights from uh, cities like Dubai, Doha, other points in, in, in Saudi Arabia. So that's a huge uh, boost. He says this is positive into this year and going into the next. Um, but the other thing he raised as well that would be a positive for our region is um, the fact that around the world, um, uh, premium travel is is increasing and is improving and is in line with, if not even slightly above, economy travel. And this plays out really well for the Middle East carriers where, you know, you have the likes of Emirates and Etihad and Qatar Airways who are well known for uh, their premium offerings and their cabins and across across their network and across their aircraft. So actually um, that increase in premium travel demand is going to be a, a huge growth uh, booster for them. The other factor uh, that he mentioned is that when China does eventually reopen, this is going to be um, another amplifier of growth for our regional carriers because of the um, travel flows between the two regions being um, particularly strong. Um, demand is just going to shoot through the roof um, eventually when, when uh, China reopens, uh, especially for airlines that are um, long-haul travel uh, connectors, such as uh, Emirates and, and, and Qatar Airways and so on, um, you know, who, who are connecting passengers from, from Asia through their hubs here in the region um, and out to uh, America, Europe, and, and, and elsewhere. So that's going to be um, another factor for, for growth going into next year uh, once and if China reopens. Dina Kamel, thanks so much for talking to us from Geneva. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's it for today. All that remains is to thank our production team and you for being with us. See you again next time.